Hello and welcome to episode 1121 of the Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, December 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good afternoon, sir. I can confirm I have not been traded. Ooh, are you sure? It, I you, mean... You might be in this trade. Oh, there we go. The Sean Murphy trade names are just trickling in left and right. None of them are good. I, um, I assume that if uh, I'm being traded, I'd be being traded away from Oakland. Since I'm in the Oakland vicinity uh, and to Atlanta or Milwaukee. No, cross bay trade. You're actually going. It's four team. We're brought in San Francisco. We got you to your favorite team. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Oh, wait, oh, wait. I'm going to San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you. Oh, yeah. I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought you meant I was going from San Francisco in, to intra, Oakland. Intra Bay trade there. We're, we're sending okay. you from Oakland to San Francisco. Well, it would make a lot of sense because Oakland would save on airfare, which, you know, it clearly all they really care about at this point is saving money. Yeah. And you're just far too old uh, for Oakland. That's so. fair. Obviously, when people are listening to this, they know that the Sean Murphy trade went down. They might even know the full hundred percent finality of it. We don't necessarily have that. We're going to talk about it here. In fact, we're doing another uh, moves episode. Going to focus on the pitchers because we only ended up talking about Kenley Jansen last time out. Uh, but we do have a few hitter things bookending the show, including this trade that happened literally minutes before we came live. This is about 20 minutes old at this point. And then we'll get into the Kiermaier move to Toronto at the very end. But let's start with this trade. Sean Murphy is indeed dealt. It is interesting that it is to Oakland, given you know the Matt Olson deal last year and how they sent Shea Langliers over there, which you know created the availability of Murphy. Like I doubt this was the case, but I would I love the idea of AA like thinking that far ahead. Okay, let's trade them Shea Langliers in this Olsen deal. And then if he does well in this first year, they might want to trade Sean Murphy and maybe they'll trade him to us. And maybe we can get Milwaukee in and Milwaukee and Atlanta can get way better and Oakland can just do the trade for God knows what reason. So as we know it, I'm only going to talk about the the real impactful players. Sorry, Joel Piamps and even Manny Pena. I kind of liked him last year as a C2 option, and he might be again this year. But we're really focused. And Justin Yeager, I don't even know who that is, if I'm being 100% honest. 80 grade name right there. Yeager oh, is we, a cool we, name. We, Yeager we is another, a very a, cool name. We have another piece of breaking news as we're speaking. Chris Bassett signed with Toronto Blue Jays. Ooh, okay. We'll get to that in just a moment then. Uh, Let me put that on our rundown right after this. So what we need to focus on here is Sean Murphy going from Oakland to Atlanta and William Contreras going from Atlanta to Milwaukee. We will also get into Estuary Ruiz and a little maybe Freddie Tarnock talk because he could end up pitching some innings there in Oakland this year. And anytime there's a pitcher in Oakland, same with Kyle Muller, Anytime you got a pitcher in Oakland who has halfway decent talent, they can do some stuff. So we'll get into that. But let's start with Murphy. Here's the thing. It's a little bit of a pro-con situation, Justin. Everyone's going to be uber excited that he's going to Atlanta. Are they going to underrate the the fact that he's going to lose playing time off of this 2022 campaign when he put up a career-high 612 plate appearances? Because me personally, Justin, I don't think Atlanta is going to give him that kind of run simply because they don't need to either. What do you think about Murphy going to Atlanta? Uh, I think they are. I think people are going to underrate the lack of plate appearances. I mean, Sean Murphy... Uh, all he did was play. He led all catchers in Major League Baseball with 612 plate appearances last year. There's no way he gets even close to that. In and uh, let me, in let me be clear, 
this is less a Murphy thing and more like a catcher thing. Anybody that does 600, I'm very reluctant to give them 600 the following year. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not something that you should be betting on. There are uh, anomalies for sure. I'm going to look it up right now, but I'm going to guess that Yachty might have had back-to-back 600s or even a string of them. Oh, no, he actually never reached. For as often as he played, he never reached 600 plate appearances. I think, I want to say that Sal Perez did Sal Sal was exactly who I was going to check next. And he did, 2021. And what were we saying last year? He cannot repeat that kind of volume, meaning he probably can't ever repeat. So that's first and foremost. Uh, Now let's put him, um, his steamer has him at 581, which isn't that much down from the 612 last year. I'm more in the low 500s. So let's just go, let's go five and a quarter, 525. Or let's say five twelve. Let's just cut a hundred plate appearances off. Are a hundred plate appearances giving back? Is that worth moving to the markedly better lineup in Atlanta for Murphy to keep his value where it's at, or um, are you moving Murphy down your list a little bit because you're worried that the volume is going to dip? Um, I definitely have to kind of take a, a longer look at it, but just off the top of my head, you're moving from a really bad team in a really bad park uh, to a, a really good team. Uh, but in a solid park, right? Decent? For, I don't think it's great for righties. I think I got it's you. great I'm, for lefties. Um, it up if right I'm, now. Because they have that short porch and uh, they have that short porch in right field. Um, but like you look at his ex home runs, and he'd actually lose a home run. Uh, if he'd played all his games in Atlanta, obviously he's not going to play all of his games in Atlanta. And of course that's his distribution for last year. Your batted ball Mm -hmm. distribution is never going to be equal year to year. You have tendencies and trends, of course. So Mm -hmm. um, it is truest park for Atlanta is 11th for righties the last three years. And it was ninth last year. So it is definitely a jump Oakland dead last. So that certainly helps Sean Murphy. Is it enough to cancel out say a hundred, maybe even 125 uh, plate appearances if he's if he's in the well I, I actually no we'll, we'll just say 100 max i think unless he gets hurt i think he can still get into the low 500s for sean murphy so let's say about 100 max let's go 75 to 100 plate appearances is the offense and park move enough to mitigate that volume loss i think it's close i mean i think i think this is kind of a uh you know rob peter pay paul type of situation uh, i think that we're looking at a guy who uh, obviously is going to, uh, you know, love, you know, the added runs and RBIs that come from being in this stacked uh, Atlanta lineup. Uh, it's a, um, it's going to be a, a better park, better environment, um, and more competitive team. Just makes it more fun to play day in day out. But he's definitely going to lose plate appearances. It'll be his first time seeing a lot of these pitchers going to a completely new league. Uh, I, I definitely think that. If people start busting up the ADP, which I thoroughly expect people to do, I think that's a mistake. I think that's that's a mistake. Absolutely my concern. Based on our talk here, I'm fine leaving him stat quo. I will not lower him for the volume because of the gains that he's going to get with the team in park. But if he starts moving into the 6-7 catcher off the board behind Williams' brother, Wilson Contreras, and Alejandro Kirk area – I can't do that. He's 11th in December draft champions. Actually, wait, nobody's doing draft champions anymore. There's been one in December. Am I reading that right? Maybe so many people are doing gladiators now. I know, but that seems crazy. This is why I've been sorting since like mid November. Okay. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this is correct. 
Okay, Gladiator has 19. If you do all drafts, it's 22. So Gladiator has 19 of them. And then a couple Draft cut Champions lines. has one and then a couple cut lines. Okay, <laughs> wow, interesting. Anyway, I, I don't really want to use Gladiator ADP, though. It's so different than anything else that yeah. I don't think it's really worth. So let me go back to just November 1st on the Draft Champions and look at catchers. And you've got Sean Murphy going 11th behind William Contreras, Tyler Stevenson, MJ Melendez. He's at pick 149 and they're at 142, 135 and 114 respectively. Where do you think Murphy goes up to? Does he get all the way up to Melendez or does he leapfrog Contreras and Stevenson? Uh, I think he definitely leapfrogs uh Stevenson but Contreras being traded as well. Contreras might also move up he's with gonna, him. He's, yeah, he's going to jump up. Um I think they I think he probably settles in between Melendez uh, and Stevenson with Contreras kind of going up with him. So yeah, there's like some 125 ish. Um, yeah. There's some wiggle room there in the ADP for Murphy to finagle himself in the, and, and Contreras, like you said, in between Melendez at 114 and Stevenson at 135. Um, which I mean, I'm okay with that price. Like I, I'm not against that price at all. Uh, but I also like, I'm not going to be like moving him up my ranks or anything. I'm I'm pretty. I mean, I still have yet to do the catcher's uh, projections. So I mean, obviously it could change. But I had him as the eighth catcher to begin with. Mm-hmm. That's staying where he's at right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to move him. I'm going to. I'm going to leave Murphy where he's at. I like this move, but again, I just don't think that the volume is going to be there. So it's going to be a neutral move. Let's talk Contreras because you already said that you think he's going to go up, which I, I tend to think the hype alone will drive him up. I don't know that there's necessarily a reason to though, because again, looking at at righty park factors, he's actually going to a, a little bit lesser park. It is negligible. Um, literally, truest park gets a 101, an American Family Field Park, dumb fucking name, gets a 100. So it's neutral, and the lineup is worse, but the playing time is more guaranteed there, so he's not fighting uh, with Manny Pena and Travis Darno. Is that enough? Is that enough for Contreras to move up? Are you going to move him up, or do you think he stays neutral? Um, I think I will probably end up keeping him in the same place, which is nine, so I have him one spot below Murphy. Anyways, uh, I think this is a, a great move for him, though, because uh, you're talking about playing time. I think he's now clearly the number one catcher. He's not necessarily going to be quote unquote sharing duties, obviously not going to catch every day, uh, but I think there is an opportunity for him to pick up, you know, maybe short side platoon at bats at DH because they're not going to have Winker on, you know, play full time. He'll be on the strong side of platoon. So Contreras, you know, on the against where lefties, he's not catching, he can go up against lefties uh, as the DH. Uh, he also moves up the lineup. Contreras was likely going to be batting like seventh, uh, in Atlanta, he probably looks like right now we have him batting fourth in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. And that makes sense. I, I look at yeah. that lineup and, and what Contreras has done. I think that checks out. So, I mean, I think he has a reasonable chance to get to 500 plate appearances as a catcher. Uh, I like him. I, it's not a bad park. Like, it's not like he's going to Oakland because um, Oakland's getting nothing out of this trade. Uh, dude, I don't understand what they're doing. I've got Contreras right now at 12. He might leapfrog one spot over like a Jonah Heim, but uh, he's not going to skyrocket up. I do like him, though, and I am intrigued by him. But if the market takes him up based on on hype, uh, as opposed to any real concrete reasons, then I might end up not really getting too much William Contreras. 
Let's talk about other pieces in this trade. I mean, there aren't a ton that are super fantasy relevant, as we've already hinted at a few different times here. But let's talk about uh, Estuary Ruiz, who's already on the move again. He came over in the Josh Hader deal to Milwaukee, and they're insta-flipping him here to Oakland. Hey, the playing time will be there. Is that enough for you? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, he could legitimately lead off in Oakland. Um, and he has a ton of speed. Uh, so, um, uh, we, uh, wait, wait, breaking news. We have you leading off in Oakland next year. All right. I'll take I, it. I, I've got a high I'm on base percentage. I know, I, but I, I'm sorry. I feel bad. Cause I lied to you. I thought you, I, I had sources that said you were going to San Francisco. It turns out you are indeed staying in Oakland, but you are leading listen, off. And you, if they want to pay me, I mean, I'll even take league minimum. What is that? Like <laughs> 600 grand. Like I'll leave. Yeah, like yeah. Like I'll do that. Like, uh, that's, that's no problem for me, but I mean, the, the A's, um, you know, could potentially lead him off. And mm -hmm. that could yeah, be... Yeah, Ruiz could lead off, yeah. Yeah, that could be some runs and a bunch of stolen bases. I mean, he's got 30 stolen base upside, maybe even 40 stolen base upside if he's playing every day. Um, so, like, I'll I'll take I'll take that gamble. Why not? What do you think of the, the, the minor league skills and how are they going to translate? Because he's taken some walks, Estuary Ruiz has, uh, in his career. He doesn't have a ton of pop, though. Are, are they going to challenge him, make him hit? And and you know knock the bat out of his hand, so to speak. At AAA this past year, fourteen percent walk rate, eighteen percent strikeout rate in a one forty five WRC plus in one hundred and forty two plate appearances. That was with the San Diego AAA, and then one hundred and sixty seven plate appearances with Milwaukee's. He had an eight percent walk, seventeen percent strikeout, and a one thirty four WRC plus. So he had a huge season. Estuary Ruiz did. How are these How are these uh, um, skills going to translate? Do you think in in his first year? That's that's a really hard question i mean i think that people are going to try to challenge him right i mean he is uh and especially in that park where you're really not worried about it going over the fence like yes uh i think i think there are going to be teams that come right after him that being said like he's shown good contact skills in in the myers and shown mm -hmm. a great ability to take a walk uh you know especially in this last year triple a so uh, yeah i mean i th i think he's a high risk high reward kind of player but it his price will go up, but it's still going to be fairly affordable. I agree with that. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Estuary Ruiz had 85 stolen bases in yeah. 99 attempts this year as well across his four, 541 plate appearances. I also forgot to mention his double-A stint, which was also very strong. It was the strongest of the bunch, of course. That is the lowest level, so that's not terribly surprising. But he had just a wonderful three-level – well – three team season it was two it was two levels double a and triple a but he played on two different triple a teams and i think is milwaukee in the pcl milwaukee's that, oh yeah yeah they are uh yeah, i don't know no 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 they're not nashville they're in the international league so he played pcl and international league and kicked butt in both of them so that's pretty cool for ruiz as well and i agree with you his price will go up quite a bit but not to a point that it's cost prohibitive so you can definitely get in there Three, he's a pick 329 right now, the 80th outfielder off the board. Uh, guesstimate how high you think uh, Estuary Ruiz might go off of this. Maybe even 100 picks up. I think maybe Ooh, just going to yeah. say that at the high end. Yeah. So I think that's probably, I mean, it, it really depends on that. I mean, that does, wait, wait. Let me just say before you say anything else, that does become cost prohibitive for me. Yeah, that would. Um, I, I would not be in on uh, because that, that would be in between Ramon Laureano and Christopher Morel. And I would take both of them over Ruiz. I take him over. I take Ruiz over Morel. You would? I Morel, if he had qualified, would have had the worst zone contact I know. in swinging strike rate in I all know. baseball. Like he's he, very Carlos Gomez, though. 
I mean, not not the peak Carlos Gomez. He'd have to develop into that. He still would have to jump a level to to get the full Carlos Gomez experience. But th- there is some Carlos Gomez so, behaviors see, there. Ruiz is going three forty four. Um, oh, and I've got it since uh, I did since eleven one. Um, that's fifteen okay. drafts. So that okay. I just did that because right. again, DCs just aren't happening as much anymore. Surprising. That's that's unfortunate for us because we base a lot of what we do off of DCs. Well, because it's a um, good, it's a good ADP measure early on. Yeah, I could see him jumping up inside the top three hundred. Definitely, um, that's only that's only a two round jump for Ruiz, and that puts him around my boy Fraley, Jake Fraley, Chris Taylor, Bubba Thompson. Bubba Thompson, that's a good comp, right? We yeah, saw Bubba and I would take, I would take him over Bubba Thompson. I was talking about Bubba Thompson in my chat today. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone asked me like, "Well, is he going to play as long as the Rangers don't bring someone in, else in?" And I said, "I think he's going to get a shot." Yeah, but with his atrocious plate skills, will it matter? Like, I, I just I don't think it will. Like, he, he I, has I agree. to like completely change his approach uh and you know what he does at the plate in order for that to be successful over the course of a full season so i would take ruiz over bubba thompson the the problem becomes like if he starts going in like the 290 area then you start talking about are we taking him over Benny marco are we mm-hmm. taking him over like i don't even like dylan carlson I yeah i know you hate him you know i'm dylan taking carlson. carlson yeah like are we taking him over trent grisham uh, I don't. I don't think we are. Brandon I mean, Marsh definitely. Boy, Brandon not, Marsh so, gets yeah. up to two seventy one, and it just doesn't seem to work. I mean, what about you know? Like, I, I would even take the shot on Jared Kelnick as as disappointing yeah. as he's been. I think there's more upside if he has some things coming together. So Ruiz is going to go up if he goes up too high. I say back off. If it's just a mm-hmm. little bit and you need the speed, I can understand it. And then as far as what I'm seeing here, I'm just updating to make sure that we didn't get any other names. Again, Manny Pena, two catcher leagues. He could be your C2 if you just want to wait. But what about um, Kyle Muller or prospect Freddie Tarnock? Either pitcher in Oakland give you any interest for the deep formats that we play in? Muller's interesting. Um, you know, he's a guy who's got some uh, MLB time. So, like, he's, mm-hmm. he's not, like, a complete rookie. So, and I also think – I think he's got enough innings where they'll probably just bring him straight up. Like they won't I think so service too. time games. Like I think he will uh and like he threw, let's see, 146, 147 innings last year. So like he could go like a full 160, no problem. Uh, you know, had over a strikeout in the minors, did a really good job of keeping him off base in the minors. But when he came up to the when he's come up to the majors, he's really struggled with walks. Um, yeah, he has no idea where it's going. And do you see the disconnect here? Triple A, seven percent walk rate for Kyle mm-hmm. Muller, fourteen percent in the majors. How are you doubling it? I know it's twelve innings, it's, but he yeah, also it's had a small sample. But so. Justin, thirty-seven innings with a thirteen percent the year before. All of his innings have been walk riddled. Yeah. How are you walking seven percent in triple A? I know triple A is easier, but like that is a disconnect there to be double the rate in the majors yeah. for Muller. I mean, in his defense, uh six walks from this year at the majors came in one game. That's fair. So, so like, six well, of his know, eight six of eight walks. Came, you yeah. know, so like that can get skewed. So so maybe uh, he made some improvements this year. That if he'd had more time at the majors, Kyle Muller could have shown them off because the the seven percent in AAA was definitely a leap forward because he did have some mm-hmm. minor league walk rate issues too, particularly in twenty one and nineteen. So maybe that that's a fair point there because it is a tiny sample, twelve innings this year. It's literally nothing. It's worthless, yeah. and six walks in that debut. 
and then two walks in the final nine and two thirds. And that we don't want to parse this too much. It's too small a sample. So you would bet on Kyle Muller. You would be open to taking him, especially in a draft champions right now, right? Because that's that's the depth of league you're looking yeah. for Kyle Muller. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a great park uh, mm-hmm. division. Um, I think they don't really have a lot of options, so I think they'll let him run out there. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the Oakland Arms uh, in a draft champions or a deeper format. I think he's a guy you kind of just, you especially you kind of look at the early season schedule and go, okay, where does you know how does he line up? Does he have you know some you know friendly matchups? Maybe they start you know in. I know Detroit or something like that. Or, oh, Jesus, um, I'm right here, dude. <laughs> you know, or maybe maybe they're home versus the Angels or something. Like, you go, oh, okay. You know, you kind of do what we sh- what you should have done with Kyle Gibson, where you stream. Okay, <laughs> Just, I'm right here. I can hear you. You know that, right? I can you hear stream you. stream early and kind of then wait and see. And, like, if, you know, if he, you know, puts together a couple of good outings, like, why can't he be Kyle Wright-ish? Um, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with uh, Muller. Yeah, uh, and then Freddie Tarnock is a prospect of uh, of some note. It's not, uh, you know, he's not a major prospect. In fact, he only got a forty future value last year. A decent fastball, um, no real command, and and so they got to develop him a bit. He's twenty three, going into his age twenty four season. He had two thirds of an inning at the majors this year, and then uh, the season was split between double and triple A. So we'll see where he's at. He also has a little bit of a walk issue. Just know the name Freddie Tarnock because, as Justin pointed out, guys who pitch in Oakland, there we inherently like them because of that stadium. I mean, if you're starting guys like uh, Paul Blackburn and Cole Irvin regularly, which we like to do because they have value especially when they're pitching at home then you can find something with Muller and Tarnock guys who can miss a lot more bats than those two can so I agree with you there Muller definitely has DC vibes right now and Tarnock is at least a wait and see all right let's get into the rest of these pitcher signings and then we will cap it off with a uh, a little Kiermaier chatter at the end going to Toronto but let's start with Toronto's bigger move that literally happened while we we're on stream here Chris Bassett Going to the Jays, big pickup for them. I know a lot of Jays fans were doing the old, um, uh, you know, poking the stick at the logo there, saying "Do something." You know that meme where they got the mm-hmm. stick figure saying "Do something" because they weren't really active at the winter meetings. Well, now this is a pretty substantial move for them. Chris Bassett going to the Jays to be their third or fourth starter, depending on where you slot Barrios. Doesn't really matter either way. Manoa, Gosman, Barrios, Bassett is a nice four pack. What do you think of Bassett going to Toronto? I'm glad he got his bag. Um, that that's for damn sure. Uh I love Chris Bassett. So what I'm, about, what I'm about to say is this is not a great landing spot. Like it's uh I mean, you know, he was pitching in the NL East, so I guess pitching the AL East isn't like that much better. And it is a more balanced schedule, not a balanced schedule, a more balanced schedule. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, he put the ball on the ground 50% of the time or pretty close to 50% of the time last year. Now it's gonna be on turf. Uh, I don't know that it's elite defense behind him necessarily in Toronto. Uh, the park factors are worse for him. Um, ugh, this hurts. I love Chris Bassett, but he's probably lowering in my rankings than where I, I originally thought he was going to go back to New York, obviously with the addition of Kode uh, uh, Senga, who we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not going to be a possibility. So, um, yeah, I'm. I'm a little bummed. This is kind of a bummer of a landing spot. Uh, it's, I mean, it's great for Toronto who really needed another, uh, you know, solid starting pitcher that can really soak up good innings for them. 
Yeah. Um, and, You're talking fantasy specifically here because yeah. he has been so rich in two of the best parks to pitch in Oakland and New York uh, City Field with the Mets for Bassett that things have been going so well for him. He's a good pitcher too. He's not just leveraging those parks, but those are definitely a booster. Now he's going to go to uh, more of a neutral park. Again, Toronto does not beat you up anymore the way it used to with the humidor that they have uh you're playing more neutral there but that turf and the ground ball factor that you're talking about mm -hmm. maybe he shifts though he hasn't always been a huge ground ball guy he's been a ground ball lean for his whole career but yeah. if he goes back maybe to like the 42 percent of 2021 or even lower that might not hurt him as much you know let kiermeyer go play those balls in center at least when he's healthy uh because you, you're right you do not want to be on the ground with that turf that just makes things a lot more difficult for the defense uh, 342 ERA, 114 whip the last year. Very, very good. Looking at him since he basically emerged, which was 2018, he's got a 329 ERA and a 114 whip, 23% strikeout rate, 7% walk in 594 innings for Bassett. Where are you loosely putting an ERA and whip projection in Toronto now? Uh, I'm trying to, find, trying to open up my projections to see where I had him at and I mean, my I, just off the top of my head, I'm probably thinking I'm gonna be moving him up to like a three seven three eight kind of ERA. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of account for a few more home runs given up. Okay, so Chris Bassett, uh, I originally uh, prior to this podcast had him with a dun, dun, dun. I have him with 3.55 ERA and a 1.15 WHIP. Probably okay. going to take both of those up uh, a little bit. I think the strikeouts probably stay around the same. I had 173 strikeouts and 185 innings. That still seems fair to me. Um, so I, you know, it's definitely going to hurt him. Uh, but you know, it's a great team. So maybe he gets a couple extra wins. And you and I have talked about with our projections that you know one or two extra wins. Uh, can mean a huge difference for for where a pitcher ends up in your ranks, and so absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think this is kind of um, it's not the worst landing spot, but it's definitely not a good one. Yeah, uh, Bassett, it, it's just going to be a bit worse uh, unless he somehow beats the odds. But the the observable things that we have suggest that Bassett is almost certainly going up in ERA. You know, he put up a 381 ERA in Oakland in 2019. It can happen even in a friendly environment. So you put him somewhere up in that range. I'd start with 365, somewhere uh, up there and above. Um, hopefully he can stay below four. He doesn't walk, guys. And so if he does allow a few more homers, hopefully they're not uh, multi-home run variety because he keeps the bases pretty clean. So we'll see what happens with Bassett. Don't this shouldn't raise his price again if it does? If, if there's just hype because he's signed, which we talk about how guys often have a little uptick when they get signed, uh, that'll be a little nerve wracking because this is not a great move for him. And Bassett is uh the 161st pick and the 64th pitcher off the board, not starter. The pitcher, in fact, actually, hang on, um, I have a SP thing that says what SP they are off the board, but I'll have to find that. But anyway. As pick 161, let's put him up. Let's say he goes just outside, just inside the top 150, which puts him with Lucas, Lucas Giolito and Jesus Lazardo. Would you still be getting Chris Bassett at that cost? I think so. Okay. Um, that doesn't seem I, too I, egregious, right? No. And I mean, I'm lower on than on Bassett, or sorry, on uh, Giolito and uh, Lazardo than the market. So uh, that may not be like, completely fair comparisons for me because I'm, okay. I'm like way lower on those guys. 
uh, than other people. But just looking at like other guys in that Giolito area. Um, oh, like Pablo Lopez for me. Well, I guess he's already passed. I mean, he's right next to Pablo Lopez. Uh, like I'm not putting him up, but like I'm much higher on Lance Lynn. Uh, I probably would be higher on Kershaw now. I think that Bassett probably falls below Kershaw, but like I think that's the right area for him. Yeah, that's um, generally the right. Area. That's SP forty five. By the way, I did a fresh sheet over the weekend, which is probably about where he's going to fall for me because I had him at thirty seven prior to this. That's right, and I had him right in this forty five range, and we had a little disagreement there, and so now we'll be matched up at at the end of it. Um, could I Senga? You referenced him earlier. He is going to New York to be with the Mets, and you know, obviously that's a really nice signing for them to bring him over, and you know they've they've kind of remade their team. Now, it's not adding a, a whole ton, right, when you compare it to last year because a lot of it's just filling in the pieces that left. But they've done a great job of doing that, right? They haven't really lost any, you know, bring, bring Nemo back. Uh, Verlander for DeGrom is not a one-to-one, -one, but that certainly helps. And then Senga and Quintana cover the Bassett-Walker departures. So what do you think of Senga? And by the way, I'm getting conflicting. Is it K-O-U-D-A-I? I believe K-O-D-A-I, because we, uh, the U is on NFBC, and that's how I've been spelling it, and then I saw on Roster Resource that there was no U, so I'm just... I believe there is a U. Okay, that's um, kind of what I thought, but I wasn't 100% sure. I'm, I'm going with what Baseball Reference says, which has the U, so... Google doesn't, um, though. Interesting. Yes, may be one of those things where, because, I mean, they don't write in American, uh, you know, uh, letters like that, uh... Um, it might that, be something that lost in translation. Yeah. Or, or it, it, it seems we'll optional. Get, yeah, it is optional now, but uh, at the moment. But I'm sure it'll get clarified at some point. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the performance for Senga. Coming over from Japan, he's been an absolute stud over there. Um, are you buying in that he can be a stud day one over here? And by stud, I just mean, you know, let's say like a, a, a mid-tier type of guy. He's not going to bring over the 242 ERA and 110 whip. But can he be like a mid to high threes? Can he be Bassett? I think he can be Bassett. I think that is a pretty good uh, comp for him. I, I think, you know, we talked about him a little bit on uh, on the Sunday podcast because he had signed Saturday night, like as I was writing the rundown. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, there were some concerns by Bubba and Jason expressed about, you know, how deep are they going to let him go to the games? There's a report that they might even start him off as a, uh, a long reliever or something like that. Um, to get him used to it. I, I don't know why they would do that. I know they go every six days or seven days in uh, uh, in Japan because of the way the schedule lines up. But he was also like 148 innings was in 23 starts. That's over six uh, innings a start. Like, I don't think they need to baby him. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think the Mets are bringing him in to baby him. So I would actually be very surprised if he wasn't just a full-fledged starter. I think it's just a bummer news for David Peterson uh, and uh, people who've uh, rostered Tyler McGill. Um, it so. is, but like, hey. it'll work itself out. I mean, all, I mean, these type of things, you 40, do. 38, 36, 34, and saying is going to be 30. The other four numbers were the ages yeah. of the other guys. Like, let's just be honest about it. I'm not, I don't want these guys to get hurt. I, you know, standard disclaimers, yeah. of course, but the simple fact of it is if they make it with those five upright all year, the, the end of the world's coming. That's like a miracle. They're winning 100-plus games again. Yeah, so they're winning like 152 it's... games. Like, give me a break. No yeah. shot. So, McGill and Peterson are still draftable. If their prices go down, that's great. Take the, take the discounts on both. I'd gladly mm -hmm. take the discounts on both. Do you have a preference between Peterson and McGill? I think Peterson. I think McGill, like, is just 
I think he should go to the bullpen at least until he builds up on innings. Like he just has not had enough innings. The health um, piece is particularly scary. Yeah, I love and, and, his and that's all it is. That's all it is. It's health. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I love the talent too, but I think that uh, you know he needs to be stretched out. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts here in the minors. Um, Peterson brings another lefty into that rotation, uh, which I think is uh, nice for them. Uh, and uh, I think he has shown that like he can be a workhorse when they need him to. So uh, I think Peterson is definitely the guy that like if I'm looking at next man up, the sixth starter there, uh, he's the one I want. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely the right call there. Uh, with regards to the Mets backups, David Peterson and Tyler McGill. All right, um, Andrew Haney, I'll be back in about an hour. Let's go, baby. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Andrew Haney to Texas. Uh, uh, good landing spot, but uh, how excited could, are you for your boy? I'm super excited. Like, I, I, here's the thing. Like, I'm irrational about it. So, like, I, I mean, you should be the one talking because you'll actually give an honest opinion. <laughs> um, but like, you could not have. I mean, outside of my giant signing him, like, you really couldn't have asked for a much better landing spot. Texas has just turned in such a great place to pitch for guys. Um, you know, the the question I think becomes. You know, a similar question to his new teammate Degrom is like, "What are you? How many innings are we getting?" Like, yeah. I just, don't, just know. don't know. Keeney's been was very, very, very good last year, but he did not throw very many innings. And so, uh, I mean, I think it's just kind of a, a true kind of shot in the dark. I think he is uh, the kind of play that I prefer to take in a shallower format, where if if and when he does get hurt. Um, there's replacement on the waiver wire. I mm-hmm. think I'm less likely to do it in NFBC leagues, in 15 team leagues, because there's just won't be the replacement and you can't hold injured guys in those kind of leagues. So, um, you know, like, yeah, I love, I love Andrew Haney and like my projection on him is probably too high. We well, did uh, two, you. you did do 211 innings and I, I thought that was a yeah. little, a little robust. Yeah, it probably is a little bit. Just robust. go 196. Just put him for okay. 196 innings and let's see what that does. <laughs> no, look, uh, Heaney again. It 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 is a hundred percent due uh, up to how many innings you get. I will say though that that for the upside, I think the price is is there. Pick 235, yeah, um, just inside out. the top 70 starters. I think he's a 68 starter off the board on average. So. It, you I would think, think he'd be higher. I think he'd be he'd be higher considering I took him in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you couldn't. You, you put your thumb on the scale there to raise his ADP, but you can only yeah. get it up so high. You know, I, I'm down. I'm down to take a guy like this. I agree with you. Obviously, I want to be in a better situation to replace him if I have to. But I'm not going to run from Heaney in a DC because if I can get if I can get the 130 innings from 2021 with not a peer repeat of the Dodgers performance, because I'm just not going to project him for that, but with something close to that 29% strikeout minus walk, let's just say 25% or better strikeout minus walk, then that's a huge boon. Now I know he's thrown over 100 innings three times in the majors, and he's been in the majors since 2014. So I get it that nobody has any confidence that Heaney can do that. The talent's there. It's a matter of preference if you want to take him around the guys that he's going around. And that's all it really comes down to. You got Senga, uh, Berrios, Miles Michaelis, Merrill Kelly, Andrew Heaney, Nathan Ivaldi, Alex Cabelli. I mean, a lot of similarly mm-hmm. type injury concern guys in there as well. I, I would pair him with like a Miles Michaelis. 
Yeah, like who does get, have that like, more stability. You get that floor, those innings, uh, and then you get the upside with Heaney, right? Um, but, like, he's just one of those guys, like, if you're going to draft Andrew Heaney, you have to limit your other risks. And Absolutely. Andrew Heaney the guy you want to take the risk on? Like, for me, he will probably be the guy I want to take a risk yeah, on. Yeah, that's your but, uh for a lot of other people, he probably shouldn't be. And I think that's okay. It, it is in that area of preference, and you pick your guys that you like. And this next guy kind of lives in that area, at least certainly around it. Yeah, in fact, just the, the next name, if I'd have kept going, I said Bailey Ober, uh, then Errol Gower, and then Jamison Tyone, who now has a new team as well. He's going to the Cubs on a big four-year deal. They gave him a really nice commitment, but he too has the health concerns of like how many innings are we going to get. It's not to the same degree as Andrew Heaney. I mean, we've seen over 100 innings uh, every year except 2019 from Tyon. So he get he he pitches uh, a good bit more, but he's only qualified for the ERA title twice uh, mm-hmm. in, in his six seasons. So there there is that concern too. What do you think of Jamison Tyon? He's coming off of an okay year, 391 ERA, 113 whip, great whip. Uh, but then the strikeout rate dipped down to 20, 21%. Uh, the walk rate was exquisite at four percent, but he kind of gave up the swing and miss. This was uh, by the by the decimal. It was his first year under ten percent in four seasons. But I will nine point nine. I will round up to ten. But that's still the lowest in four years, of course. Where he at on a thirty-one year old Tyone? Can he get back some of that swing and miss, or is this just who he is? He puts the ball in play, and how how the outcomes come out uh, are going to determine whether he's a low fours guy or a high threes type of guy. What do you think of Tyone? I, I mean, I think that's kind of who he's become, but who knows what pitchers try to do now without the shift behind him, right? Like, you know, are, are these are some of these guys going to be like, I'm not going to trust the defense because the defense aren't, aren't being placed in the places where I was able to get outs last year? Or are they going to be like, I feel more confident, yeah, you know, because they're not the stupid not nerds aren't moving my players around. Uh, I, it's hard to tell. Like someone asked me earlier today in the chat, like, you know, like how much do we add to like left-handed hitters now that there's no shift? And I was like, well, there is a shift. It's just not an extreme overshift. And and it's like the anybody... balance schedule thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not a balance schedule. It's a more balance schedule. Balance it's schedule. not that shifts are completely gone. It's that they are it's regulated. regulated. Yeah. And anyone, you know, this is, you know, I said this going into the 2020 season after we knew it was going to be delayed. I said in the 2021 season, I'm sure I said it like coming in last year. Like anybody who tells you you know what's going on. Um, with this, like, is lying. Like, we just have no idea, we're like, how much we're just taking our best educated guesses. And I think what'll likely happen is people overrate this. Uh, so that being said, with Tyon, I think uh, at this point, like, he's a fine pitcher. Like, and like, you gotta love him getting out of Yankee Stadium. I think that'll help lower the home run rate a little bit. It's a much easier division to pitch in, just generally with the other teams there. Yeah, like I, th- I kind of like Tyon in Chicago. It's not like my, you know, premier landing spot for him, but mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he'll, I think he'll be fine. Like I think he'll be pretty close to what he what he has been with a little bit of improvement ERA. Maybe he drops from like being you know a, a low four high threes guy to kind of like a three seven guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and upper mid threes try- works, and then the whip is pretty much always been there. That one year, twenty seventeen, yeah. when he had a one forty eight, his BABIP spiked to three fifty two. I remember that year; nothing was going right for him. But he's been a good whip guy since then. One eighteen, one thirteen, one twenty one's a, a little bit higher, but still solid. And then one thirteen again last year for Tyone. Um, he's going to give you that whip, and even if it is a low fours, 
we talk about this player type all the time. Don't discount this guy who gives you the good whip with a me- more mediocre ERA because the inverse is always overrated. The, the guy who has a three something ERA but a one thirty five whip. So those guys, you know, they have value. Pair him with a Robbie Ray type, and then you're kind of mm-hmm. mixing the two. Well, Robbie Ray of yesteryear is not as good of an example anymore with the way he's changed. Yeah. But you know, what I'm talking I've, about that type of pitcher. I've tied for 165 innings, uh, 376 ERA on 118 whip. Um, and 145 strikeouts, which is okay. just below eight per nine. Yeah, okay. I, I definitely mess with that. Uh, let's stick with the Mets. I obviously should have put the two Mets together. I goofed on that one. But Jose Quintana, as I alluded to earlier, also going to the Mets basically as a Taiwan Walker replacement, so to speak. Had a brilliant year last year. I, I do think that's a, a spike and not not his, his level. Um because the skills really weren't drastically different. In fact, it was a four-year low in strikeout minus walk rate. Um, it wasn't even like some crazy exquisite BABIP. It was his lowest in four years at 302, though. It was enough to get his hit rate back down to a more manageable 8.4 hits per nine, which isn't that good. And uh, 293 ERA, do not bet anywhere near that. 402 Sierra is is what I'm looking at with a lot of intrigue. He found the uh, Martin Perez factor, though. He had his home run rate all the way down to 5%, and that's after five seasons of double-digit rates, ranging from 12% to 21% in 2021. That was a nightmare for Quintana. So we knew he would improve from that. We didn't know he would improve from a 643 ERA to a 293, though. Quintana, 34 Going to City, which we've already talked about, is a great place to pitch. Is that enough to give you some intrigue with Quintana next year? I mean, he's kind of a bad whip guy normally. I know last year was down to 120, but like that's he's a hit machine and he doesn't miss a yeah. ton of bats. So that's why Quintana is like you're 100% right. Yeah. I mean, I like him going to City, right? And I like him going to the Mets where he can win a lot of games uh, because the, I expect the match to be pretty competitive this year. But he's just such a boring guy. Like, but here's the thing, like, Boring guys are cheap usually, and I, I don't mind boring guys in DCs where they're cheap. I feel like I can get like a, you know a fair amount of innings. The you know he's like a Michaelis, right? You mentioned Michaelis with yeah. Heaney. You pair a Quintana. So he's a little bit worse version, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, a bit, a bit worse, but you know they're mm-hmm. both they're both older. That's I, I was going with the older. Uh, I just link don't get too. the signing, I guess, with with David Peterson in tow, like. I agree because I love Peterson and I'm yeah. a McGill guy as well, but I was willing to uh, understand and agree that Peterson's a bit better and, and more ready to take on a starting role. So that's why I thought McGill would be the sixth man with Peterson as the five. So I agree with you there. That part makes it a little like, did you really need to bring in Quintana? Yeah. Is Peterson not, can you not make it like a pretty decent case that he's better? I think you can. Uh, I think I think the upside alone gives you the the opportunity to go. Okay, if it's our fifth starter, why not give Peterson a shot? Uh, yeah, and then you know, and then bring in I don't know, like I'm trade for Quintana in the season if you need to, right? Like yeah. pick him up from another team because that's the that's yeah. like the way to acquire him is like when he's doing well, you get him. And in fantasy, the equivalent of that is like getting him off the wire instead of instead of having to draft him. Obviously, this year you're gonna have to draft him because he was so good last year. Mm-hmm. But that's a kind of boring guy that I'm just I'm not really trying to draft. I'd rather find something with a better path to upside, especially because now uh, you're buying him at a premium. And when I say premium, I mean relative to Quintana. It's still a very fair in draft champions 461 ADP. Like I'm not going to pretend that that's off the charts, but I'd just rather – I mean – 
there's three guys around him that I already see that I'd rather take Aaron Savali, Mackenzie Gore, Kyle Bradish. I'd rather take yeah. all three of those guys. And there's Absolutely. tons of other Ken Waldachuk, Cody Moore. Like I can keep going. Yeah. You get the point. David Peterson's going ahead of him for crying out loud. Yeah. I, yeah, I just don't get the signing. Like, why not? Like, if you want to bring in another lefty that could be like a swingman type or something like that in case Peterson falls, like, why not bring in Rich Hill or I don't know, like, I'm like looking at random names on the available list? Um, yeah, guess, any other lefties out there? Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, no, the next guy, Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley would Smiley, been, yes. I, well, I the like next that. guy we're going to talk about that your team got. Let's bring in Sean yeah. Mania here because he's I also love going, this signing. He's like, also going in that same range, and I'm taking Sean Mania over Jose Quintana right now. And this is again, this is not Quintana slander. It's just that there's no upside with that pick, really, yeah. unless he pulls another rabbit out of his hat. What I mean by upside is like within the skills. Yes, he put up a 293 ERA. I do not deny that, and that was upside, right? He reached an upside there. But when you look at the skills and you see the strikeout minus walk rate is worse than it was previous years for Quintana, you just can't buy into it. Manaya, staying in San Francisco, or staying in California rather, moving up the coast a bit to San Francisco from San Diego. What do you think of this move here? Obviously, anytime your boys sign somebody, it has a similar intrigue to like Tampa Bay or the Mets or Cleveland. You know, certain teams based on both their park and the way they manage pitching that we're interested right away. San Francisco is very high on that list for me, especially with guys who are reclamation projects. And that's exactly what Manaya is after the end of his season last year. 496, 130 will not fully convey to you how rough the, the, the season finished for him. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of dig in there and see like, oh, oh, you put up a 644-141 combo in the second half last year. It was injury-riddled, 57 innings. But uh, it was bad. It was really bad for Manaya. Can you all fix him? I mean, there's very few organizations that I trust more than my team. Um, and that's I mean, not a must homerism. be nice to feel that way. Yeah, like it's not a homerism thing. They've just got a really good track record over the last mm-hmm. five, six years of taking these guys who are either injury prone or struggle with mechanics uh, and getting as much out of them as they can. Let me throw uh, in one thing. I'm sorry. Uh, he got he was not it was not injury riddled. Uh, the innings were low because he sucked. I saw yeah, the innings yeah. count. And I thought he had to have been hurt. No, it was but because he, he sucked. He, he has had injury issues in the past. Correct, correct, but so not like, not in the second half of that of this yeah. year. That's all I meant with Manaya. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead. He, yeah, he just really, really struggled. Uh, I think with the mechanics. I think just repeating his mechanics yep. uh, were a really issue for him. Uh, and the Giants are really good at breaking down mechanics for guys, the simplifying things. Um, and I, so, yeah, I, it's a great park to pitch in. Obviously. Uh, he was just pitching in the NLS, which didn't go well, but uh, now he's got to go up against his whole team, the, the, the Padres, that uh, um, are way better than the Giants. So, I mean, that's a negative, but, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm going to take a gamble on it because he's very, very cheap. Uh, I think he oh, got yeah. a little bit he's unlucky, He's down in that too. same yeah. range that we were just talking about, that that Quintana mm-hmm. area, and I would just rather take Manaya. Yeah. yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited. I think this was a really nice deal. Uh, I think it's perfect. You know, it's it's pretty much the exact same type of deal that Carlos Rodon got last year, which is a two-year deal with an opt-out. So, yep. uh, you know, he has a chance to kind of reclaim some of his value and then hit the open market again next year or stick with the team for two years and, and see what happens. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I also I think it means the Giants are out on Carlos Rodon. Like, I think that's I think so, it. too. I, I think so, as well, especially with him looking for like a seven-year <laughs> deal. I love Rodon. Get your bag. But I would not want to be the one giving him a seven-year no, bag. I, 
the Giants weren't willing to give Kevin Gosman five years. They're not yeah. giving Carlos. And he Rodon doesn't. He doesn't have anywhere near the the yeah. health uh, issues historically that that Carlos Rodon had. Yeah. Carlos Rodon's an excellent pitcher when he's healthy, but there is elevated health risk with him. Yeah. Uh, Taiwan Walker did leave New York, and he's going to stay in division. He's going to Philly. You know, I'm a long time Taiwan guy. He's my dude. This park scares me. I'm sorry. He cut his home run rate. It was weird that his home run rate was so bad in New York because you would have thought, hey, getting out of uh, or getting into the city, he had developed a little bit of a home run issue in, in the tw- shortened 2020 season. Okay, well, city will fix that in 21. He puts up a 1-5 homer nine there in 2021. Got down to .86 this past year, and then the results came. 349 ERA, 119 whip. But now you're going to Philly. He doesn't miss enough bats. Um, you know, he's always in that low 20% strikeout rate, decent walk suppressor. It's one of those things where I'm a fan, but not necessarily on the fantasy landscape with Taiwan Walker. What do you think of him in Philly? Yeah, this is kind of a brutal landing spot for him. Uh, I mean, he's going to get, uh, he's gonna, I think he's going to get a good amount of innings. I think he is going to get a, a lot of run support, uh, but that defense is so brutal. And that park is so brutal. Um, I think this is not going to – I don't know how well this is going to end. Uh, I've got him at like a 3-8 ERA and a 117 whip, and even that feels a little rosy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I I, I, I got to divorce myself. You know, you had your Heaney. I got my, my Walker here. I, I just I don't want to be too homeristic with him. I got to start with a 4 ERA. I'm thinking like – no, uh, four thirty one twenty is where I'm starting with Taiwan. Wow, four thirty. Look at look at his Sierras. Mm. I'm I'm big on skill interactive ERA. That's what Sierra is. It's and I didn't even know this when I said it. I swear to God, since 2020, it's a four thirty Sierra. Uh, four oh five. This past it was a four oh five last year, and I've got yeah. him. I, I I've got him right now at a four oh six ERA and a, a one seventeen win. And so, I'll tell you, four thirty to four oh six. We're not that far off. We are basically yeah. in the same. And where'd you say you had his whip? One seventeen. And I got one twenty. Probably so are, should go up. Yeah, we are not that far off on Taiwan Walker. And where did that rank him in your in your projections? Since you are, I haven't I haven't rerun it. So oh, okay, okay. Um. So yeah, it's you know four forty seven one thirty four is the steamer projection, and I get that on Walker. The one thing is the price is not high. The community, the fantasy community, does not overrate him. I think he's rated properly. It becomes about who's around him and whether or not you prefer those guys. He's picked three sixty four on average, which is the ninety third starter. Again, fair price for Taiwan Walker, but is it what you want to pay when you've got Brian Bayo, Dre Jameson, Cal Quantrill, guy I know that you've talked mm-hmm. about liking. I've I've had some like for him as well, Justin Steele. And then we get into Tyler McGill, and then the next group that we were already just talking about, Peterson, Braxton Garrett, Aaron Savali, and all those guys. He's around a lot of guys I like. Does Walker fit into your plan in that in that draft area? I still think he does. Like uh, just off the top of my head, like those names like aren't like jumping out to me as like names that like I know I love more mm-hmm. um, than uh, than Walker. And uh, as we speak, I am updating my. Uh, projection ranks so to see where he slots yeah to see where he'll slot um so let's see done and pitcher ranks i know this is super exciting no no it's fine it's i was going to try to fill in with something but i don't really have anything else to add so we'll just wait for you to do it Uh, i will mention that uh 
you know, I'm not taking Kentamaeda over him, but he's in that range too. And if we get any interest, if we see anything from him in spring, I'm going to be interested in him. Um, you know, I, I'll play enough drafts that I'll fit Walker. Somebody. I'll tell you where I do like him as I'm rambling here while you update that. Mm -hmm. Gladiator, because I think he is going to get the innings. And if he's my last pitcher in Gladiator, I'm okay with that for Taiwan Walker. Because I'm I'm gonna do the seven two. I'm gonna do seven starters, two relievers. If he's my seventh starter, I think I can get 160 innings from him just fine, and I'm I'm certainly chill with that. All right. So my projection puts Walker in uh, around pitcher 96, but that includes uh, a fair amount of relievers. But it has him behind Aaron Svalle, has him behind a, a not updated David Peterson's projections. Okay. Um, behind Jose Suarez. So that's a pretty big drop for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, behind Martin Perez, uh, behind Kyle Bradish. You know, I probably so. would take Perez over over Walker now because one's in a good park, one's in a I – might, I might just let the park decide there. And and Perez staying in Texas, staying in Texas and even though I'm not as – you know, I'm not keen that he's going to repeat or anything, but with Walker going to yeah. Philly, that does just give me a little bit of pause. And I mean, like he's been more healthy the last two seasons, but Walker's had a long history of injury issues, and he hasn't been over 160 Definitely. innings since 2015. So, like, while he should rack up some innings, like there is a reasonable chance, like that he doesn't rack up a ton of innings. That's yeah, it's not a lock. It's not yeah. a lock. I, I said 160, and he hasn't even done that. So I yeah. didn't say that. I should say more like 140 if I'm taking him as my last starter there. So we'll see. I, I am. I'm in yeah, my first class. I, I, have, I have him for 155 is what I put it at. But even okay. that feels a little rosy. I mean, that's like saying that he's going to continue to stay as healthy as he's yeah. been the last couple of years, which to your point, he has had some struggles there. So that's yeah. fair with Taiwan Walker. We're not out, but we're not going crazy for him at his, at his current price and in his current uh, new residence. But I do wish him the best because I just, I, I, I root for him. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't not. Yeah. reliever. Couple of tidbits on relievers, including this one. I think I think this guy can be the closer for sure. Carlos Estevez signs with the Angels, gets out of Colorado. This dude is a super live arm. I, the upside, I think, is as like a top ten closer. Mm -hmm. I think he could be an absolute monster. He's got the power fastball, you know, ninety seven and a half uh, average velo for his career, and he's he has the ability to get a swing and miss slider going. And I think getting out of Colorado is obviously going to be massive. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the fastball usage maybe dip down a little bit. I think he leans on it in Colorado because it's the only thing he trusts. And I think maybe he gets into that secondary arsenal a bit more. He's talking about how he wants to close. You know, he, he's, He's saying he's, he's saying all the right things, you know, the cliche things. Of course, I'm going to say I want to close. Every reliever dreams of it, blah, blah, blah. But you look at their bullpen, they had a revolving door there. And none of them were particularly special there that you would think that the job is not up for grabs. I think Carlos Estevez can get this job in, in Anaheim. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he can too, um, which is unfortunate for me because I took Herget in a couple leagues uh, early on. So mm -hmm. uh, that feels like that might be waste. But who knows? Like that, this you that never could know. be a rotating situation. Exactly. Sure. It, it, nothing is set. It's just speculating, and I'm I'm going to speculate but on the live arm of two of years and thirteen and a half million dollars feels like low end closer money. It doesn't yep. feel like you know middle of your bullpen money necessarily, so. especially because they don't really have anybody that is obvious to put there. Right? If Herget yeah. had a thirty five percent K rate, then I might tell you, yeah, you can say you that Estevez has the money, but Herget has the stats. But Herget does not have the stats. His stats yeah. are fine. And he was good last year, 298, 248 ERA, 0.91 whip. That's excellent. 
but I just don't think that he's got any lock on that job. I understand why you took him because absent mm-hmm. Estevez, he looked like the guy. But now that Estevez is there, that's where I'm turning my attention as a uh, lower yeah. closer. I think so too. I, I agree. I think, and I think he's he's a guy that, um, yeah, I think he he could be this year's Daniel Bard or something like that. So like he's you know or this year's uh, uh, Soto. Felix, so I, I think Felix, this year's Felix Bautista. Uh, Bautista, yeah, but but Bautista didn't but, start with the job. Yeah, yeah. That, that I was gonna say that's the difference. I just so, meant in terms of talent. But you're you're yeah. right. Somebody who has the job all year is a better comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's not gonna be up for the closers role, I don't think. But Joe Jimenez was traded to Atlanta, and I'll tell you one of the pieces that the Tigers got, uh, Justin Henry Malloy, who we saw out we of saw, yeah. And uh, Michael Gobio, he interviewed him. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe, awesome. And now he's a Mike, tiger. Mike, maybe. Now he's a tiger. So, like, uh, maybe we'll get to see another interview. So, yeah. Uh, seems like a really good kid. Um, he was uh, fun to watch play. Uh, I don't really care about this trade, though. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have to say anything about him in this, to be honest. It's yeah. Malloy. I do think he'll be up with the Tigers. And again, because you and I play in some pretty deep leagues and a lot of our listeners do, I think he's a name you want on your radar, especially you AL only folks. You you 15 teamers, you don't have to draft him. You, even in draft champions, you don't have to draft Malloy right now. Just know who Justin Henry Malloy is. And it's Justin hyphen Henry. It's not Henry hyphen Malloy. Um, and it's J-U-S-T-Y-N. So interesting outfielder. Um, you know, he went to AAA this year, only had eight games. So they wanted to give him some more time. He got 20 games in the fall league. That's finishing school. He'll start the season in AAA almost assuredly, but he could be up quick. There's not a whole lot blocking players in Detroit. I'm just intrigued by him. So just a deep league throw there for folks. Um, and then we'll finish with Kevin Kiermeyer here going to Toronto. I love Kiermeyer. I fucking hate this because of the turf, though. I wanted him to go somewhere without turf. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have much else to add on that. Like, He can't stay healthy. He's going to be 33, and he's going to go play on turf again, dude. I don't love it. This seems like such a weird move. Like, I know he's great defensively and stuff, and they really need to improve that uh, outfield defense. We talked about this one yesterday uh, with Jason, him being our, you know, a raise a, re- a resident raise correspondent. Yes, it just seems like such a weird move. Like that's I agree. The le- that's the lefty you're adding to this lineup, and that's the center fielder that you're going for to get Springer out to keep Springer healthy. Well, what about the the 80 games that yeah. Kiermaier is going to miss? Like, I'm not trying to it, be tongue in cheek. It or feels rude. like there has to be another move coming. Like, at least they have to get a real partner. center fielder, right? Uh, yeah. I would think so. Like and I, by, by real, I don't mean that Kier, obviously Kiermaier is a brilliant center field. I mean real in terms of te- volume, not talent. Yeah. Volume. Because he's you played can't six- project him for more than 300 plate appearances. Like it just No. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how you could have any confidence there, especially still playing on Durf. You know where I really wanted him to go was Colorado, just because I want yeah. to see a true world-class center fielder in that in that center field. Now I know that he could have gotten hurt out there too. I'm not saying that you can't get hurt on grass. And there are studies out there that say that thin air leads to more injuries. So bingo, uh, the altitude can certainly get you as well. And that's exactly what I was going to say next. So I am with you there. It wouldn't have been the most perfect signing. I do think it would have been better than the turf with Toronto though. Are you even drafting him though? He put seven homers, six steals. So putting aside the volume concerns, are you even that hyped on his, if I promised you 120 games, where would you draft Kiermaier? 120 minimum. Okay, so if you're promising me 120 games. He had 122 in 2021, and that was 390 plate appearances. So let's just say minimum 400 plate appearances. Where would you draft Kevin Kiermaier if I could guarantee I still that? wouldn't, I don't think. <laughs> I don't like, think I would either. I, I, sorry, he, you'd still be like, like, you might get some cheap speed. Like, you might get 10 to 15 stolen bases. But, like, we've talked about this with Whit Merrifield. 
the Blue Jays don't run that much. Like, they, and he's not a burn. Like Kiermaier, no. he, he is very speedy, but he's not. He doesn't have gaudy totals the way Merrifield did. They shut down a thirty-five stolen base per six hundred plate appearance type guy in Merrifield. Of course, they're going to shut down the dude who gets like twelve per six hundred plate appearances or whatever Kiermaier has. I agree with you there. And so, even with a guaranteed four hundred plate appearances, I can't get that. Like, I, I don't that know that there is it. a format that I want Kevin Kiermaier in. I was going to say AL only, but your yeah, pushback, would, volume. Be, yeah, your pushback like, would be, I don't get volume, and then how do I replace him when he gets hurt? Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing no on the wire of those yeah. leagues. And in fairness to Kiermaier, he is 20 steals per 600 plate appearances before somebody goes and does the numbers and says, well, technically, because I'm the guy that would do that. So I'll do it to myself there and say it. But he hasn't 20. had 20 stolen bases in a season since 2016 like, because he never gets to that many plate appearances. Like, he, And he won't. Like, he And won't. given his health concerns, Merrifield is not being slowed because of health. It's because of uh, league uh, – or not league, uh, team um, – not motto. What am I What am I thinking? Strategy. Content, like the, yeah. Yeah, like they, they don't run. So, of course, they're going to slow down the guy who is a health risk when he doesn't have a ton of steals. So, I think Kiermaier's off the board in, in really every format right now. But, hey, at least he's still ridiculously good looking. He's got that going for him. And he yeah. can, you know. He's pretty. He's, and he's going to know all the defensive alignments. Remember when he took that little card off the mm -hmm. ground in the uh, <laughs> in the Rays-Jays game and he got some heat there? So, he already knows all the defensive formats and everything, yeah. the formations that they're going to run. So He's already he prepped, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope he stays healthy and proves us wrong. That'd be great. He's fun to watch, but we have to be realistic about his numbers, and they're just not there. All right, let me refresh MLB Trade Rumors, make sure we didn't miss anything. I think we're golden here. Another uh, moves episode in the book. In the books, I cannot tell you the last December that we had three full moves episodes. It's so yeah. good to have normal off-seasons back. Justin, we will talk again on Friday. I'm not sure what our topic will be, but it was great talking with you. Hopefully and more moves. Like if it's more we'll moves, keep, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah. You know, give me give me four or five trades and three four signings. Mm -hmm. and we got another episode right there. But uh, it, absent that, I will come up with something. But until then, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.